This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annie Hill. Edmund Dulac's Fairy Tales by Edmund Dulac. Section 10. Bashtelek or Real Steel. A Serbian Fairy Tale. The aged Tsar was dying, and his three sons and three daughters were standing round his bed. He had yet strength to give his last commands, which were extraordinary. It is my will, O oh my sons, he said, that you give my daughters in marriage to the first suitors that come to demand them. Question me not, but fulfill to the letter this, my last injunction. If you fail, my curse will fall upon you. These were the Tsar's last words before he died. It was approaching the hour of midnight when he passed away, and when the dawn found his sons and daughters weeping for grief, they were startled by a dreadful noise. Came a loud beating against the palace gates, and instantly an awful tempest sprang up around the palace. Peal on peal of thunder roared, and vivid lightning flashed. The whole place rocked and swayed and trembled to its foundations. Then, above the fearful din, came a loud voice. In the name of a king, open the gates. <gasps> do not open, cried the eldest brother. See to it that you do not open, insisted the younger one. But the youngest disregarded them both and rushed to the gates. Tis I will open, he flung back to them as they followed at his heels. Though the earth dissolve, what have we to fear? We have done no wrong. With this, he flung the gates wide. There was no one there, but a sizzling light moved in towards them, and out of the heart of it came a clear, cold voice. I have come to demand the hand of your eldest sister in marriage. Forbid me not. I await your consent, but if you refuse... It will be at your peril. The eldest brother answered at once, without a glance at the other two, It is unheard of. I cannot see you. I do not know you. Who is to know where or how you will bestow my sister? I might never see her again. He turned to the younger one and added, What say you, brother? For my part, I will not consent, he replied readily. I do not like these signs of ill omen. Then they both turned to the youngest. What say you, little brother? He was quick to answer. I obey my father, and counsel you to do the same. It is not that I fear his curse, but I love him, and will obey his wish. Without waiting for any reply, he ran within, and soon returned, leading his eldest sister by the hand. Here, he said, offering her to the unseen visitant, in accordance with the custom of my country and the dying wish of my father, I give you my sister for your wedded wife. May she be faithful to you. The princess was then taken by an invisible hand and led away. And as she stepped across the threshold of the palace gates, a tremendous clap of thunder burst overhead. The lightning flashed again, and the whole earth rocked at the sound and sight of it, and all at terror of it. The courtiers who had gathered around fell on their faces and prayed for deliverance with all their might. When the sun rose, the palace was astir. None had slept, so none had dreamed. Therefore, when eyes met eyes, the truth was known. A terrible thing had happened. But none knew how it had happened. 
all sought to find some clue to explain the disappearance of the eldest princess but there was no clue to the midnight mystery of the thing and on the second night the same terrible thing occurred again the palace was stormed by thunder and lightning till its foundations quaked then above all came another commanding voice open the gates immediately in the name of a king again the elder brother demurred and again the youngest admitted the invisible but powerful applicant and bestowed upon him the second sister i trust she will be loyal and faithful to you he said and as she stepped over the threshold the elements roared like a great lion glutting on his prey and still to the courtiers who stood by the mystery of the thing was greater than their fear of the quakings of the earth and the sudden gasps of icy air that smote them again on the third night while the youngest sister who was very proud was preparing to reject a suitor promised by her brothers a greater storm than ever swept about the palace and to hear it one would have thought that half the world were rolling down a hill it was terrific and still more terrific was a voice that cried open these gates in the name of a king who comes on his own business as before the two elder brothers demurred but the youngest was more obedient to his father's dying wish he bestowed the youngest sister upon the first to seek her hand and as she stepped over the threshold the whole palace trembled and fluttered as if disturbed by the wings of a thousand giant eagles the two elder brothers mourned and grieved for their sisters saying they were lost for ever how could they see them again how could they visit them they were gone swallowed up in the invisible it is not so said the youngest we have fulfilled our father's command we have done no wrong thing though the skies fall down what have we to fear follow me forth we will go and search for them and so not knowing what had befallen their sisters nor whom they had married they set out to search far and wide for them after journeying for some days they reached a wild inhospitable country where in a mighty forest so dense they could see neither the sun by day nor the stars by night they lost their way but still they pushed on hoping to find an outlet at last after wandering for days they came at sunset to a small lake where they prepared to pass the night the eldest watched while the two younger brothers slept in the middle of the night while his brother slept soundly he was gazing upon the waters of the lake watching the moonbeams play with the ripples stirred by the soft night wind when he saw a great black head appear on the surface and rapidly approach the shore where he was standing presently as the monster emerged from the water he found himself face to face with a great alligator rushing upon him to devour him like lightning he drew his sword and smote the alligator between the eyes cleaving its head in one mighty stroke then when it has ceased its death struggles he cut off both its ears and placed them in his haversack as his brothers still slept he resolved to say nothing about the matter and to this end he rolled the carcass of the alligator down the shelving shore into the water where it sank like lead at sunrise he roused his brothers and with few words they resumed their wandering after three days struggling through the forest they came to another lake where they camped for the night 
this time the second brother watched while the eldest and the youngest slept and he too had a strange adventure but more terrible than the eldest brother had encountered at midnight the waters of the lake began to move and a great alligator with two heads emerged and came up on the shore then with both mouths wide open and his long sharp teeth gleaming in the moonlight the monster rushed at the watcher and the sleepers but the watcher sprang forward sword in hand and dealt two terrific blows one on each head killing the alligator instantly then he cut off the four ears and placed them in his haversack and rolled the huge carcass back into the lake as the eldest brother had done he kept the matter to himself and let his brothers sleep on in the morning he aroused them and they all set out again on their wandering during that day they came to the edge of the forest but only to find a vast desert before them their hearts sank within them but nothing daunted they set forth saying one to the other there is no desert that has no boundaries we shall come to the other side but for three whole days they journeyed on and all was still desert as far as the eye could see and their food and water were exhausted and they were sore distressed then as they saw that the desert had no end they cried to god to deliver them and it seemed that the haze of the desert lifted and they saw before them a lake calm and peaceful on its shore they would spend the night having refreshed themselves from its waters and eaten some of the luscious fruits that grew upon its margin they made their camp and this time the youngest brother watched while the other two slept and he also had an adventure but far more terrible than either of his brothers had encountered as they were sleeping soundly and he was looking at the still surface of the lake something heaved up out of the depths and swam rapidly towards him when it came up out of the water he saw that it was a monstrous alligator with three heads as it advanced upon him with all three mouths wide open ready to devour him and his sleeping brothers he sprang to meet it and with three mighty strokes like flashes of lightning severed the three heads from the body then he cut off six ears and placed them in his haversack as the other two brothers had done he also kept the matter to himself it was not yet dawn and the fire was burning low in order to replenish it the young prince went into the surrounding desert to look for fuel after searching for some time in vain he mounted a rock and looked around and there not very far away he saw the gleam of a fire he ran towards it knowing he should find some fuel but when he arrived at the place where the fire was burning he found the glare of it came from within a large cave creeping forward cautiously he peered in and saw a strange sight the fire was blazing in the middle of the floor and around it sat nine giants eating the flesh of human beings whose limbs they drew from a large cauldron over the fire horrifying was this sight to the prince he made up his mind to trick the giants he advanced boldly into the cave and gave them greeting good morrow my friends he cried jauntily i've been searching for you everywhere good morrow friend replied the biggest of the giants and if you're indeed one of us you will of course join us in our feast 
and then help us in our search for more with every pleasure cried the prince indeed i need hardly thank you for the kind invitation since i am at all times ready to assist you in your hunting expeditions i have a rare tooth for the flesh of mortals and the bigger they are the better i like them the giants looked at one another and grunted approvingly then said the chief since you are with us what is your name i am nine man mord replied the prince taking the name of that hero of a far land who had slain nine men in so many strokes of his sword i have journeyed from the north and have come to dwell among you and be one of you they were astonished for they had heard wonderful stories of nine man mord and they seemed to forget that they themselves were nine come nine man mord they cried come sit and eat with us Rudely the prince took his place among them but though it seemed to them that he ate of human flesh he did not really do so while pretending to eat he told them such tales of his adventures in the far country that none of them noticed he was not eating but disposing of the flesh cunningly sometimes by throwing it behind him and again by offering a tidbit to one or another in token of friendship when the feast was over the giants rose and stretched themselves now said the biggest one we'll go a-hunting there's always to-morrow's feast to be thought of we go o oh nine man mord to the Tsar's city there is still good flesh to be got there though we have been feeding on it for many many years and i may tell you as the prey is not so plentiful as it used to be it affords all the better sport in the taking i'm with you replied the prince and maybe i can show you a trick or two so they set out and journeyed together the nine giants and the prince till they came to the outskirts of a large and beautiful city here in the surrounding forest the giants plucked up two great trees by the roots and took them to the city walls where they placed one tree as a ladder then the chief giant said to the prince o oh, nine man mord climb by this to the top of the wall and then we will pass the other tree up to you so that you can fix it as a ladder on the other side for all of us to descend by the prince climbed the tree ladder and when he had reached the top of the wall they pushed the other tree up to him now he called down i don't quite know how you want it placed will one of you come up and show me in answer to this the chief himself climbed up and swung the tree over roots first while he held and steadied it by its topmost branches at this moment the prince unseen by others drew his sword and with one stroke hewed off the giant's head it fell within the city walls and in another second the headless body went tumbling after it now he cried down to the others it's all fixed and your chief has gone down come up one by one and i will hold the tree for you and steady it so that you can reach the ground quickly and they came up one by one and one by one off went their heads and they and their bodies after them reached the ground very quickly then he climbed down the tree and over the piled carcasses of the nine giants and made his way into the city it was true what the giants had said for although the sun had not yet risen signs were not wanting of that city if not deserted was very thinly inhabited the streets were neglected 
the houses for the most part were falling to decay and though no doubt those who remained if any feared a visit from the man-eating giants still no watch was set and the prince as he made his way through the streets saw no one at last as he went on he espied a high tower and at one of its windows there was a light he made his way to the tower and quickly ran up the stairs leading to the room that contained the light at last seeing its rays through the crack of the door he turned the handle and entered a strange sight met his gaze as he stood a moment on the threshold it was a splendid apartment of velvet and gold magnificently decorated but what immediately riveted his eyes was the figure of a beautiful princess sleeping upon a richly furnished couch she was lovely to look upon and as he advanced into the room he could see nothing but her presently however a hiss greeted his ears and looking up he was startled to see a huge snake lying on the ledge above the couch with its arched neck bent down ready to strike the sleeping girl with a loud cry the prince tried to attract his attention as it raised its head he snatched his dagger from his belt and with one blow pinned its head to the wall hold wood hold dagger he cried releasing the hilt none can draw that blade from the wall but him who planted it there then without waking the beautiful maiden he stole from the room and went back over the city wall and beyond till he came again to the giant's cave where he quickly gathered some fuel and hurried back to his brothers whom he found still sleeping when he had set the fire ablaze he watched till the hour of sunrise and then woke them with a loud cry arouse ye my brothers the day is here but he told them nothing of his adventures of the night when they set out they came very soon to a high road that led to the gates of the czar's city now it was the daily practice of the czar to walk in the ways of the city for an hour after sunrise and bewail the death of those of his people who had perished by the hands of the giants and also to pray fervently that his own daughter would never so perish so it was that on this same morning he came by his wanderings through empty streets to that part of the wall where the tall tree ladder was standing and as he drew near he saw with amazement the great bodies of the giants lying on the ground each with his head severed from his body when the czar saw this he raised his hands to high heaven and cried this is a great day for the giants are all slain and the people who still remained to him hearing his cry of joy came running and gathered about him praying that god would preserve the mighty one who had done this astonishing deed they were still praising the unknown hero when some attendants came running swiftly from the palace to tell the czar that a great snake had almost succeeded in killing the princess at this time he hastened back and made his way to the room in the tower where the princess was lying sleeping and there he found the snake pinned to the wall by a dagger at once he took the hilt in his hand and tried to drag it from the wall but to his great wonder it resisted all his efforts on this seeing the great strength of the hero who had planted the dagger there and knowing that none but he could have the strength to remove it he ordered a proclamation to be issued throughout the whole kingdom that if the man who had killed the nine giants and pinned the head of the snake to the wall with his dagger would come and draw his dagger forth again he would be rewarded with splendid gifts and receive the princess in marriage far and wide went this proclamation but the czar 
to make doubly sure posted a thousand officials at as many inns on the great high roads that connected the city with the outlying parts of the kingdom and these officials duty was to question travellers and learn whether they had met or heard of any such hero as he who had killed the giants and transfixed the snake rewards were offered to any who could supply information and punishments were held out to those who concealed it now it so happened that the three princes in their search for their sisters chanced to rest at an inn on one of the high roads and when they had finished supper they fell into conversation with an interesting stranger a courtly man of cities with manners that are only learnt in kings palaces he begged to be allowed to call for wine which in those days was no offence and as they drank their toasts he fell to narrating his wonderful exploits in a far-off kingdom so far off indeed that imagination alone could reach it and no other travel could ever return to tell a different tale after describing some heroic combats the stranger at last remarked and what may be the doughty deeds that you young heroes have set to your credit at this the eldest brother told how he had slain the alligator and to vouch for the truth of his story showed the two ears he had preserved placing them before the stranger when the unknown had applauded his story the younger brother told how he had slain the alligator with two heads and threw down on the table the four ears as evidence the stranger applauded more loudly than before and then turned to the youngest brother but he remained silent come said the stranger coaxing him your brothers have performed great exploits have you not followed their example then the young prince replied i am only young but now i think of it i did kill an alligator once myself it was a rather ferocious beast in its way and had three heads but i managed to well here are its ears and he threw the six ears on the table at this his two brothers were as much astonished as the stranger for though he was the youngest he had done the bravest deed the official for such was the stranger then begged the young prince to tell of his other exploits so the hero told how he had slain the giants this was enough for the official he sprang up and hastened away to the palace where he informed the czar that he had found the mighty hero for whom everyone was searching the czar was delighted and having rewarded the official sent for the princes in all haste when they arrived he bade them tell all they had been through and listened to their adventures with all attention and when they had finished he turned to the youngest brother and said your exploits young sir are the most extraordinary of all i have heard but all of you follow me to the tower i would make certain quite certain beckoning the three brothers to follow him he led the way and finally they reached the room where the youngest had pinned the snake's head to the wall then said the czar addressing the eldest draw forth the dagger the eldest brother seized the hilt and put forth all his strength but the dagger did not move then said the czar it is so let your younger brother try his words were obeyed but the dagger was immovable then said the czar it is so let the youngest try his words were obeyed the youngest prince took the hilt and with a mighty wrench tore it from the wall then as he restored it to its sheath at his side the snake fell at his feet 
it is so said the czar it was your hand saved my daughter's life i will give her to you now in marriage and you shall be my prime minister then to the two elder princes he said if you would prefer to remain with your brother in my country i will bestow two ladies of the land upon you for wives and give you suitable castles to live in but though the youngest accepted the czar's offer with a proud pleasure the other two excused themselves with thanks saying that it was only right for their brother to remain but for themselves their duty was to carry out the quest for their lost sisters the czar honoured their refusal and having given orders that they should be escorted from the city with every mark of royal favour bade them farewell and they departed the richer by two asses laden with gifts of gold and silver and precious stones shortly afterwards the youngest prince and the princess were married and the whole city rejoiced for three days with great celebration but the prince as much as he loved his wife soon began to blame himself for accepting this great happiness so easily when the quest of his lost sisters was his first duty on this account he began to pine and the princess could not comfort him one day when his grief threatened to sink him in remorse the czar came to him with a bunch of nine keys in his hand and said my son i am going forth to the hunt but you remain and with these keys you may open some delights while i am absent then he took him and showed him the doors of nine rooms of the palace assuring him he would find great joy in the first four a more hidden joy in the next three and in the eighth a summing up of all the joys in the four and the three but the ninth he must not enter for what was there no man could endure when the czar had gone to the hunt the young prince opened the doors one by one and he truly was amazed at what was revealed to him the first four led him to all the delights of earth the next three to all the delights of heaven and the eighth to the great joy of earth and heaven in one and now he stood at the door of the ninth what is here he said what is here that is denied me i have slain the three-headed alligator i have hewed off the heads of nine giants i have vanquished the serpent that encircles the world and rescued the princess from his lowering fangs surely the czar is testing me come what may i will enter at this door for he who does not go on slides back with this he selected the key and inserting it in the lock opened the ninth door and entered what an unexpected sight was there the joys of the four the three and the eighth were they at last bound up in this this man with the strength of the underworld in his limbs and strength of the midworld in his set face and the strength of the skies in his calm gaze beneath tortured brows there before him was a man bound it seemed by all the bonds of the universe his legs were encircled with bands of iron which at their fastenings into the floor were rusted his hips and loins were bound with lead a copper girdle held his breast a silver band enthralled his tongue and hands and what seemed like a spider's web of thin light blue wire encircled his body 
and gathered itself in a circlet of the same woven material upon his brow truly if ever a man was fast bound this man was for in addition to all these things there was a ring of gold around his neck and from it extended thick cables of platinum which were firmly riveted into four strong beams one in each corner of the room around him on the eight sides of the room were open windows revealing all the joys of the eight chambers but the man was bound in the centre and as the prince looked upon him the captive gasped oh young man for the love of god bring me a cup of water from yonder fountain and i in return will give thee another life the prince at once drew him the draught from the nearest fountain thinking the whole while that it would be good to have a life to spare then when the chained captive had drunk the water eagerly the two looked at one another what is your name asked the prince my name is bashtalik which as you know means real steel farewell then bashtalik i hear the hoof-beats of the tsar's horse in the distance and he turned towards the door nay leave me not cried bashtalik and then he implored him give me a second cup of water and i will give you a second life the prince drew him another cup of water and handed it to him with a good heart thinking as it was returned to him empty that his second life was well worth having then hearing the approach of the czar more distinctly he bade farewell a second time and turned away but the captive again besought him oh mighty one he cried do not leave me i know thee i know thy name i know thy noble deeds twice hast thou given me to drink i pray thee do it yet a third time and i will give thee a third life hastily the prince filled the cup and gave him to drink for the tsar and his company were now at the gates and he knew not how to face him but before he could gain the door he heard a crash behind him and looking back he saw that the captive had broken his bonds and stood free then before one could say it had happened he had loosed a great pair of wings from his side and rushed through the doorway the prince looking out saw him snatch up the princess his wife from the terrace of the palace and soar rapidly away ere the beating of wings was lost in the distance the tsar came in and demanded to know why the ninth room was open and the captive gone the prince then explained everything and begged the tsar not to be angry he broke his bonds he said and has gone taken my wife the daughter that you gave me away with him but give me leave and i will find her and kill bashtelek alas replied the tsar you have done a rash thing you know not this man i lost the best part of a whole army in capturing him what can you do my son i will go forth and seek him replied the prince without wavering if he is stronger than i then you will see neither me nor my wife again but if i prevail we will return to you so the prince set forth on his quest and after three days journey he came to a beautiful city and as he rode beneath the walls of a castle he heard a voice from a window high in the tower calling to him he drew rein and dismounted then as he advanced into the courtyard a girl came running towards him oh my brother she cried you have come at last it was his eldest sister whom he had found so easily 
they embraced and kissed and then she led him into the castle and your husband he asked as they stepped aside into a dimly lighted antechamber who and what is he he is the dragon king she replied in a whisper and he is no friend of my brother's yet i will hide you and then ask him what he would do if you sought me out that evening when the dragon king came home on whirring wings there was no sign of either the prince or his charger yet he raised his nostrils in the air and sniffed i smell a human being he said confess woman who is it no one she replied but he was certain about the matter saying that his senses had never yet deceived him though a woman might that is not said she but tell me if my brothers came to look for me how would you take it if your eldest brother came here replied the dragon king i would eat him raw your second brother i would stew gently over a slow fire or if he were nice and fat i should roast him to a turn but your youngest brother him i would spare then she said o oh, king my youngest brother who is your brother-in-law is here in your castle i will summon him it was a great meeting between the young prince and the dragon king one would have thought that they had known each other for years they embraced and wished each other health and long life and then they sat down to a sumptuous banquet quickly brought in by winged attendants who were evidently of the uneducated dragon classes indeed though richly attired they looked like slaves in the course of conversations the prince happened to mention that he was on the track of one bashtelek who had run off with his wife against her will bashtelek exclaimed the dragon king my dear brother i beseech you seek him not this kingdom itself put out five thousand strong and took him unawares but he escaped by a trick gave battle to ten thousand of my picked dragons fought his retreat to the mountains and so escaped triumphant man to man you against bashtelik you cannot hope to win if you will go back to your home i will give you an escort and three asses laden with gold three asses laden with gold said the prince i thank you so much but i have better than that i have three lives which i won from bashtelik himself i will seek him and reclaim my wife the dragon wondered at his words then plucking a feather from his wing he said you are determined and i wish you well take this feather and if at any time you want my aid burn it and i will come to you instantly with ten thousand chosen dragons the prince thanked him and placed the feather in his girdle the next morning he took leave of his sister and the dragon king and set out in search of bashtelek he left the city and crossed a desert where he endured fatigues and encountered perils but still by his strong right arm he preserved his three lives then at last he came to a city and as he took the main way of it the same thing happened as before it was a woman's voice calling from a castle tower o oh, prince dismount and come in hither again he made his way into a courtyard and again he was met by a woman his second sister who greeted him with joy so she led him into her boudoir and immediately he asked my sister who is your husband he is the eagle king she said then as it happened with the dragon king so it happened with the eagle king 
he came whirring home from a great height and by the artfulness of his wife he met and embraced the young prince for though the eagle king would have pecked out the livers of the elder brothers he was glad to meet the youngest a feast was spread and afterwards the talk led on to bashtelek bashtelek cried the king young man will you listen to me once we battered him with ten thousand pairs of wings and assailed him with ten thousand beaks but he triumphed for one man to go up against him is as thistledown attacking a whirlwind do not stay with me i will give you all you desire but as the prince held fast to his purpose the eagle king plucked a feather from his wing and gave it him if you are in sore straits he said burn this feather and on the instant i will come to your aid with ten thousand eagles then the prince thanking the eagle king set forth once more and in his further journeyings he again came to a city and heard beneath a castle wall a woman's voice calling to him it was his youngest sister she also contrived to bring him face to face with her husband the falcon king who warned him strongly against bashtalek and gave him a feather from his wing in case of need after a long search and many adventures the prince at last found his wife standing at the mouth of a large cave she was much surprised to see him and ran forward to embrace him he then told her all he had done since their parting and she clung to him in great joy now dear wife he said at last now that i have found you we will go together to your father's palace but bashtelek she exclaimed bashtelek is not your husband he replied i am your husband yes yes but if we flee beloved bashtelek will surely follow us his rage would be terrible and i should lose you for ever and find a frightful punishment nay nay i am your husband and i will protect you come then he added to himself she does not know i have three lives now and i doubt whether bashtelek could kill me three times so they fled together but some hours later bashtelek returned from hunting and found the princess had gone from some footprints outside the cave he gleaned that she had not gone alone and instantly guessed that her husband had carried her off with a cry of rage he sprang into the air and began to fly around the cave at a terrific speed and in ever-widening circles the sun was low down on the western horizon when the prince riding hard with his wife on the saddle-bow heard a whirring sound in the sky and looked up hasten cried the princess in alarm it's bashtelek if we can reach the shelter of yonder forest he may not see us but hardly had she spoken when an angry cry from afar fell on their ears bashtelek had seen them seen her long yellow hair floating on the breeze and gleaming like gold in the rays of the setting sun he swerved and swooped downward and madly as they rode for the edge of the forest he was upon them by the time they reached the outskirts alighting on the ground he tore the princess from the prince's arms and cried out in sorrowful anger oh prince i gave you three lives out of gratitude to you but if you attempt to steal your wife again i will kill you and with this he mounted in the air with the princess and soon disappeared in the distance leaving the prince lost in wonder at the suddenness of it all nevertheless he was not to be beaten he returned to the cave under cover of night and having concealed his steed 
crept forward and hid himself near the cave to wait until bashtelik should go forth to the hunt and he was not disappointed soon after the sun rose bashtelik came out from the cave bearing his bow and arrows and went in search of prey then when he was out of sight the prince dashed into the cave took his wife and rode away with her but again ere sunset they heard the whirr of wings and again bashtelik snatched the princess from the prince's arms and this time he placed an arrow on his bowstring and drew it to the full o oh, prince he said i give you your choice will you die by arrow or sabre by sabre said the prince feeling for his own nay nay returned bashtelik relenting because i gave you three lives i pardon you a second time but if you attempt to steal your wife again i shall slay you without a thought but the prince as he watched bashtelik fly away with his wife was not daunted i wish he would stay to fight said he but maybe he will next time for i shall certainly take her again and he did and again they were overtaken on this occasion it was no wise different save that when bashtelik forgave the prince it was in angry and threatening tones before bearing the princess away having failed three times the prince rode sadly homewards but he had not gone far when he bethought him of the three feathers given him by his brothers-in-law and of their promises of help he reined in his steed and turned and galloped back he would beard bashtelik in his cave and then give battle with three armies at his call if perchance this powerful foe should seem to prevail when he reached the cave it was an hour after sunrise he leapt from his steel and entered without knocking there was a fire burning within and his wife sat by it with her head on her hand thinking she sprang up at the sound of his footstep you she cried oh my beloved you are in unseemly haste to quit this life since you come for me a fourth time listen to me he said for you are my wife and none shall keep you from me then he showed her the three feathers and explained to her that they were pledges of help in time of need he placed them in her hand and gave her also the burning glass he used for kindling a fire and said do not burn them until you see the combat is going against me he will certainly follow us but this time i think he will fight the princess seemed to agree to his wish and soon afterwards they set out and rode rapidly away it was high noon when they heard the whir of wings and knew they were followed bashtelik approached at great speed and they saw his sabre flashing in the sun the prince drew rein and dismounted then drawing his weapon he advanced to meet his foe but ere their sabres slashed the princess fearful for her husband's life had taken the burning glass and pinned the sun rays to the feathers a tiny curl of blue smoke arose and then they burst into flames instantly ere yet the heart could beat twice there was a shrill chord of three sounds and as many colours shimmered like lightning in the air then as the feathers blazed came dragon hosts upon the plain flaming eagles flocked in and the falcon king with his myriads swooped down bashtelik was surrounded on three sides but he dealt a mighty stroke at the prince's heart and then seeming invincible fought his way through with much slaughter and gained the side of the princess 
before she knew it she was caught up and bashtelik was bearing her up on rapid wings away but the prince among the thick of the slain the three kings his brothers-in-law found him dead but they took thought together as to how they might recall him to life and at last decided to send for some water from the jordan they summoned three of the swiftest dragons and asked how long it would take to fetch it half an hour said the first ten minutes said the second but the third said at once nine seconds so they dispatched him and like a flash he winged his fiery flight returning in nine seconds with the water from the jordan with this they bathed the prince's wounds and they healed up at once and lo he rose up alive and well but with only two lives left to him venture not again was the counsel of the three kings go not forth against bashtelik for he is perfect steel the mightiest of all and none can conquer him he has all force behind him but the prince would not accept their words of warning force is not the strongest thing he said force is hard as steel yet it can be overcome by the will of love which is so soft that it melts at a touch in that i go forth again to conquer bashtelik and regain my wife they could not restrain him but ere he went they counselled him again since you are willing to risk all you must go but think not that by mighty blows you can conquer bashtelik get speech with your wife and bid her learn from him by a woman's wit wherein the secret of his strength lies then come and tell us and with that knowledge we can help you to slay him the prince agreed and parted from them making his way very cautiously to the cave he waited till bashalek had gone forth to the hunt and then entered and found his wife and bade her glean from bashalek the secret of his strength then he returned to his place of concealment that evening when bashalek returned to the cave the princess praised his great strength and flattered him mightily upon it tell me i pray thee she said at last wherein thy great strength lieth and wherewith thou mightiest be bound for with a laugh i would fain bind thee with my hair bashtelik laughed well pleased at her words wouldst thou know it said he my strength is in my sword were that taken away from me i should then be weak and be as any other man the princess then bowed down before his sword and did homage to it and sang a great song of joy that all power on earth was in the sword but on hearing this bashtelik laughed and laughed again saying foolish one my real strength lies no more in my sword than in its scabbard then she said thou hast mocked me tell me i pray thee wherein thy strength lieth in my bow and arrows replied he and at once the princess bowed down and did homage to his bow and arrows singing their praise how swift their flight through the air how true their aim how deadly their piercing points but bashtelik laughed again and again and again foolish one said he my real strength lies not in my bow nor in my arrows but tell me why do you seek to know the secret of my strength because i am a woman and was there ever a woman who loved a man and did not want to know his secret ay to know it and to impart it to others nay nay to know it is enough tell me i pray thee and tell me truly wherein the secret of thy great strength lieth 
at this he was much distressed and thinking that the princess believed her husband dead he hoped at last to win her love and so he told her listen to me he said far away in a highland tableland in the interior of this country there is a mountain reaching up to the sky and rooted far down into the earth in a spot of that mountain in a den where a serpent lies asleep there is a fox and in its heart there hides a bird that bird is the storehouse of my strength one flutter of its wings would scatter a whole army one beat of its heart would shake the whole world if the fox so willed it but the will of the fox is over mine and what strength i have comes from the bird through the will of the fox and that fox is the hardest thing in the world to catch it can take any shape it likes so now you know all you have told me truly i do not laugh i have told you truly then the princess dallied with him giving ear to his tales of terror and triumph but when he had supped and fallen asleep she stole out and told the prince all about it and he bidding his wife farewell rode off in haste to tell his brothers-in-law when they heard his news they called up their forces the dragons the eagles the falcons and proceeded forthwith against the mountain on the high tableland by certain signs the prince discovered the den of the sleeping serpent and there they surprised the fox who seeing the vast array on the sides of the mountains and on the plain quickly took refuge in flight but a host of eagles and falcons tore after him and overtook him near a great lake here he changed himself into a duck with six wings and dived and disappeared presently far away on the lake they saw him reappear on the surface and rise from the water and wing his way up into the clouds immediately the dragons gave chase and the eagles and falcons strove to encircle the swift-winged bird finally seeing no way of escape the duck swooped to the earth and changed again into a fox then the pursuers pounced and caught him the three kings then consulted together and decided to cut open the fox and take its heart out this was soon done then they built a great fire and threw the heart into it and as it burned they saw a bird fly from it through the flames and fall scorched at their feet now as they gazed upon it it changed rapidly growing in size and altering in shape until at last there lay before them the body of bashtelik his wings all burnt and his body charred so this monster perished and the prince regained his long-lost bride end of section ten